Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 443 for the 17th of Shvat in a regular year. And today we are going to be beginning a new chapter, chapter 25. And this section, this lesson that we're going to learn today, I believe is actually one which is extremely pivotal in understanding what the Tanya is all about and what these teachings really are and the novelty that the altar Rebbe brought to Torah and to Judaism. So before we begin, I want to begin by saying that there's this misconception that I think a lot of people have about what it means to serve God or keep Torah to be an observant Jew, a religious Jew, whatever it is that you want to call it, that people kind of contend to think that doing this is something which may be really nice, but it's sort of like a little bit out of touch with reality, a little bit like living in the clouds, maybe somewhat like being overly idealistic. Maybe it involves a lot of self-denial and self-sacrifice. The real us as humans, humanity, what we really want is to just live in the world, enjoy ourselves, have fun, go on vacation, stuff like that. And then keeping all these laws, keeping Shabbos, kosher, all these things, it's like very, very restrictive. And it's like very admirable, people might think that when people do that, but they think of it as how it requires like a lot of like self-discipline and self-denial and everything. And it's it's kind of like this like thing that goes against the natural human way. And what we're going to be learning about today is this is actually the exact opposite of what's going on. And we're going to learn about how actually keeping God's Torah and serving God is actually the most sane way to be as a person. And we touched on this a little bit last time where we talked about this idea that there's there's a, an idea that's brought up in the Gemara that the only reason why a person would go against the will of God is if a spirit of folly enters into them, like a spirit of insanity. And we're going to take this step further today and sort of go into the flip side of that and see how Really, if a person thinks about things and acknowledges who they are as a Jew, then they'll realize that logically speaking, the only true sane way to live is to worship God and to keep God's will and keep God's Torah and all of its ramifications down to the last small detail. And so we're going to get into the text to understand this, to really see how the altar of breaks it down. But just in my own words, to kind of give you a brief overview before we begin, the basic idea is that as we've learned previously, and you may have experienced this in your own life also, or in what you've observed with Jews, is that you could have the most secular Jew, the most quote unquote atheist Jew or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, there's always going to be something that's leaking, linking them to their Judaism. That to get a Jew to renounce their Judaism is 
not the easiest thing. It's very difficult. And to the point that we've seen that throughout history, Jews have actually sacrificed their lives rather than renounce their Judaism. Whether it's about actually physically bowing down to idols, whether it's about just renouncing the fact that they're Jewish or whatever it is, Jews, regardless of Jewish affiliation, regardless of background, have time and time again proven this idea that as a Jew, they will not when push comes to shove, they will not renounce their Judaism. And the altar Rebbe talked about this, and he explained that the reason for this is because found within every single Jew as our birthright, as our inheritance, is this innate love that we all have for God. It may be concealed. It may not be obvious. It may not be conscious at all times, but it's there. And in times of extreme stress, like when there's this intense moment of life or death situation, it gets aroused and it becomes real. And the ultra explained that the reason for this is because in these moments when a person is faced with the choice of renounce Judaism or give up your life, the choice becomes really, really, really obvious. And the person, as painful as death might be, the person realizes in that moment that they would rather die than be separate, separated from God. So it's like a moment of truth where that really happens. And so what we're going to learn about today is that, okay, so once a person becomes aware of this fact, aware of the fact that they are willing to suffer the pain of death, God forbid, rather than to give up, rather than to give up their connection with God, rather than to be separate from God, which is what happens when a person renounces their Judaism, then a person should realize that, okay, it's not only when a person is told to renounce their Judaism that they become separate from God, but actually any time a person goes against the will of God, this is a form of separation from God. This is a form of separation from our creator. So if God tells us to keep Shabbos and we don't keep Shabbos, God forbid, we are actively separating from him. And so as a Jew and being uh, aware of who we really are, doing anything that's against the will of God is by virtue of the fact that it separates us from God is not sane. It's not a rational thing because it's not really being true to who we are because the true self, which comes out and emerges in these times of, of push comes, comes to shove and intense stress, reveals that we we do not want to be separate from God. And we're, we're willing to give up our lives in order to uh, to stay attached to God. And so the logic here that the Rebbe, that the Ultra Rebbe points out and reveals is that, okay, so think about these two scenarios for a moment and think about the two types of pain that are experienced. One is the pain of death, God forbid, you know, somebody actually dying. So that's pretty bad, right? And the other one is the pain of having to forego some type of temporary pleasure. So let's say, you really, really, really want to eat something and you're not allowed to eat it and it's annoying and it's painful and you're just, you know, but you're not allowed to eat it and you can't eat it. Which one is more painful? <laughs> the pain of death or the pain of, of withstanding temptation? So when we break it down like that, it seems really obvious that the former is the one that's more painful, like withstanding temptation, temptation comes, temptation goes. How painful is it really? It might seem annoying at the time, but come on, you know, whereas the pain of death, is way more intense than that, right? So, but then the ultra rabbi says, but nevertheless, we find that people, Jews, are willing to sacrifice their lives to to give themselves over to this pain of death rather than renounce their Judaism. But yet, when it comes to sacrificing a little bit of temporary pleasure, of temporary desire in order to 
get close to God. People don't do that. He's like, that's literally insane. It literally doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I hope that makes sense to you guys. So it's like, you know, basically it's like we're willing to give up our lives, but we're not willing, which is a certain type of pain and suffering, which is a very intense type of pain and suffering, but we're often not willing to endure the suffering of temporary withstanding, uh, withholding of pleasure. So let's see how the ultra Rebbe breaks this down in his own words, and maybe that will clarify it a little bit further. So the ultra Rebbe here brings up again this quote from Devarim, which is kind of like his thesis statement for his entire Safer here, which is that it says it is written that that this thing is very near to you. So this thing, what is this thing? This thing is worshiping God, meaning to say, you know, having an intense love of God. And so, and we talked about previously that this love contains it also fear of God, you know, so true worship of God. So what is this all about? And so the altar goes on and he says, at any time and any moment, it is within the power of man to push aside the spirit of folly and spirit of forgetfulness from his midst and to remember and to arouse his love of the one God that is hidden for sure in his heart without any doubt. So it's definitely like we said, every single Jew has this love hidden in their heart for God. And this is why it is written, like you should serve God with your heart. And it specifically says, which in Hebrew, it's like there's two basim instead of libcha, it could have said, which is like, you know, seems a more simplified way to say your heart. And so he's saying that the reason why there are two basim in this is because it, this love contains within it also fear or awe of God, depending on how you translate it. And what is this fear of God? Is this fear of not being separate from him at at, at any time from his unity and from his oneness to the point that a person would actually be give, willing to give up their lives without any reason. Like it's not a rational thing. That's it's, it's not a conscious rational thing. That's something that's understood, but it is, this is the nature of the godly nature of every single Jew. And, and so now if every Jew has this ability to give up their lives, to suffer the, the pain of death in order to connect with God and not be separate from God, all the more so in killing their, in breaking their taivas and breaking their desires, which is much easier than the pain of death. So like I mentioned intro to this, breaking a person's desires, it may be something that's very difficult to do, but is it really more difficult than death? <laughs> like, come on. And so this, this is what it, it means. The altar says that this thing is very near to him. It is, it's, it is closer to a person to be able to conquer their Yetzer, conquer their evil inclination and their impulses in a way of going away from evil, even if it's in regards to a very small transgression. That's something even from the rabbis, like a very light thing. So, and so as not to go against the will of God, because this, because in going against any of these things, even the smallest of the smallest transgression, this causes a separation from God's oneness and from God's unity, just like idolatry at that moment. So it's like every single time a person transgresses against the will of God, it's basically not very different than idolatry because it's also just like when it comes to idolatry, there's a separation from God that happens. When a person goes against God's will, they are also separating, God forbid, from God. Now, what makes this idea all the 
more amazing, the altar is going to explain to us, is that we know that in Judaism, there's this idea of tshuva, this idea of returning to God. No matter how far a person has strayed, they can always return to God. Even when it comes to Avodah Zarah, even if a person did bow down to idols, they can always return back to God. And this is even the case, like even though there is, there's a precept um, of that somebody who says, you know, I'm going to go do this sin and then I'm going to come back and do tshuva afterwards, like they sin with the intent of going to do tshuva, then um, it's taught that in such a case, God does not give them the opportunity to do tshuva. So the Altarba explains that this doesn't mean that they can't do tshuva. It's just that God's not going to make it easy for them. They're not going to like, he's not going to make it, you know, just give it to them on a silver platter. They're going to have to work a lot harder for it. However, if they really go and, you know, work on it themselves, nothing can stand in the way of tshuva. That's taught in uh, the Talmud Yerushalmi in the very beginning in, in um, Masechet Pea 1.1. So um, the bottom line is that we have this idea of tshuva in, intrinsic within Judaism built into to Jewish life. So with that case, this when we keep this in mind that we have this idea of tshuva, then this makes it all the more amazing that uh, you know that a person is willing to give up their life rather than to worship idols because it's like they have a get out of free card, you know, like a person like not only it's sort of like why why would we go to such an extent to give up? Why would every Jew? We're saying here not only you know super pious religious Jews. This is applies to all Jews, Jews who are not necessarily the most observant Jews, the most knowledgeable Jews or whatever, they'd rather give up their life rather than worship an idol, rather than renounce God. Why? Why? Especially if they can do tshuva afterwards, right? So the ultra explains that this is because this divine light that we're talking about that, that prevents a Jew from worshiping idols, uh, you know, and, and uh, even if it means giving up their life, this divine light that we're talking about, this this light of God that is vested within their soul, within their godly soul, as we explained, is not bound to time, um, and uh, but rather it transcends time, and rather not only that, it actually rules and dominates t- time. So, uh, so because it it's it transcends time, because it's not stuck within the bounds of time, then. You know, there isn't this, it's this concept of time, you know, that it's just going to like go and worship an idol just for a split second and then come back to God. It's like, no, there is no split second. Everything is, you know, one. It's not, you know, it's living within the realm that's outside of time. So uh, it can't allow itself to go and worship an idol even for a split second. That's that's really um just not it's so out of sync with who it is so this is the amazing thing about being a jew and this is the amazing uh, aspect of being jewish is that even though we have this this idea of uh, of tshuva even though we have this like built-in mechanism that can allow us to return to god even if we mess up a jew by nature does not want to separate from god even for an instance even if it means that they can return back to god again and so in conclusion to this uh, to this section um the bottom line is is that okay so we can understand this when it comes to serving idols or maybe it's not something understandable but it's something that we can kind of we see throughout history and we see in our lives that Jews when it comes down to it are not willing to renounce their Judaism even if it means that they are being threatened with with death with the pain of death but yet 
by contrast, Jews all the time, you know, unfortunately are willing to do other things that go against the will of God to transgress other commandments of God without recognizing, without realizing that this is really one and the same thing because every single transgression separates us from God. And in a small sense is really no different than idol worship. And so this is a really insane way to live, to do anything that's outside of the realm of what our creator wants, just for the sake of not enduring the pain of not having whatever it is that you're drawn to in that particular moment. It's like that pain of not having it is like, how can you compare that to the pain of, of death, which the person would be willing to undergo uh, if it was like in their face, you know, worship idols or take this way. So again, it's like that example of, you know, you have a chocolate cake, but let's say if there's poison in the chocolate cake, yes, it might be painful not to eat the chocolate cake if you're really craving the chocolate cake, but is it as painful as, you know, the poison that's going to, that's going to really harm you. Right. Um, what this reminds me of kind of, um, this whole scenario, another analogy sort of that comes to mind for me with this is like when you see families, you know, and you see like different families that they really love each other intrinsically, but this intrinsic love, unfortunately, isn't often expressed. Uh, and often there's fighting and often, you know, the kids are rebellious and they don't listen to their parents and things like that. And it's just they're, they're not very nice to each other. But then when there's like a real crisis, let's say, God forbid, there's like a crisis of health or like there's like some kind of situation where, um, you know, there's like a threat of real separation from a family member. Let's say we have this like in the times of COVID, right, where like we couldn't see family members, all of a sudden, everybody's so nice to each other and everybody is so giving and so um, forgiving and all of that because it's like it's in your face that there is this real possibility of separation. So it's sort of like this idea of not taking each other for granted. So similarly with God, it's like we don't, we we often, it's like in our daily lives, we kind of take our connection with God, our, our connection with our Judaism for granted. It's like, of course I'm connected to God. And yeah, sure, you know, I'll just do this little thing, speak this little piece of Lashon Hara, right? Like everybody on their level, you know, maybe for some people it's like, okay, maybe it doesn't have the best hasher, but you know, does God really care or whatever? And we don't really, you know, we kind of take it for granted that we have this connection with God. But then when push comes to shove, we realize, you know, how much we value this connection to God. And what we really want to do is really bring this, this, um, we don't want to take God for granted ever. And so it's like this intrinsic connection that we have that gets aroused in these life or death situations. We want to bring that into our daily lives. And that's basically the message that the Tanya is trying to bring, bring to us here in today, today's, uh, today's session. So that's the end of the section for today. And we're going to go deeper into this chapter tomorrow. So um, stay tuned and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.